And so today, as we've noted previously, we're beginning a four-part teaching series that we call the Simple Series. And in this series, we'll be describing and explaining in some detail a model of ministry that we're presently pursuing at Holy Cross, a model of ministry designed to help us be more authentic disciples of Jesus Christ and to help us help others become more authentic disciples of Jesus Christ. Indeed, being disciples of Jesus Christ and helping others to be disciples of Jesus Christ is the church, church's primary mission, not an ancillary or a peripheral issue or ministry, but a primary mission of the church. Indeed, Jesus said famously in what was sometimes referred to as the Great Commission, we read in Matthew 28, beginning at verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, to his apostles, after his resurrection and before his ascension, all authority, Jesus says, has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, all peoples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, as you do this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so since this is what Jesus wants us to be doing, he wants us to be disciples, and part of being disciples is making disciples and helping others be disciples so that they can make disciples, at Holy Cross we are attempting this simple purpose as the primary focus of everything we do. In fact, we do it on Sunday mornings as we do it at other times. This is our primary focus. And the process for accomplishing this simple purpose is as simple as the purpose itself. Indeed, in order to be disciples of Jesus Christ ourselves and to help others to be disciples, we want to commit ourselves and invite others to join us in the pursuit of four simple steps in fact, to get a handle on the process, we've created this simple visual, as you see on the screen, our process for being and making disciples of Jesus Christ, and the four steps. Step one, which we'll be talking about today, is to worship God regularly, which we hope will lead to step two of growing together faithfully. Step three is serving others lovingly, and the fourth one is maturing in Christ continuously. In fact, if you look at that, at that visual, you'll see there's a hole in the middle there of the, of, of the fourth step, which takes you back to the first step. And so the point is to do the first step, and the second step, and the third step, and the fourth step, and the first step, and the second step, and the third step. And so it never ends. In fact, when you get to the fourth step, you don't say, well, got that done. Because it continues, we continue to mature in Jesus Christ. But today we're talking about that first step in the process. And that is to worship God regularly. Simply put, to worship God regularly means making worship together with other believers a personal priority. That is a, a spiritual habit, something that you and I do regularly and consistently and as a spiritual discipline. Indeed, the word disciple and the word discipline, are, you may have noticed, are closely related. 
Indeed, a disciple, amongst other things, is a person who engages in discipline. And to be a disciple of Jesus Christ is to engage in the same disciplines that Jesus himself engaged. In fact, but you may not have ever thought about this, Jesus himself was a disciple. He was a disciple of the Father. In fact, at one point he said, I do always those things that please the Father. And the things that I do are the things that he told me to do. That's discipleship. And to be like the rabbi or the one that you're following. In fact, you remember Philip saying to Jesus, show us the Father, Lord, and, and, and it'll suffice us. We'll be satisfied. And he said, have I been with you so long, Philip? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's the goal to be able to say, you're wondering what it's like, what Jesus is like? Look at me. And that's a process, hopefully, that we're engaged in. But the word disciple, as I just said, and the word discipline are related. And to be a disciple of Jesus Christ is to engage in the same kind of disciplines that Jesus himself engaged. And one of the disciplines that Jesus engaged consistently and regularly was worship with others on a weekly basis. Indeed, Jesus worshipped God regularly, which is why we start here. In fact, Luke said famously in chapter 4 of his gospel, verse 16, And Jesus came to Nazareth, that was his hometown, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, there wasn't an exception to his life, it's what he did customarily, or what we might say habitually. And sometimes we use the word habit or the word habitual and we think that, well, such things are done thoughtlessly. Well, listen, you can have good habits and you can have bad ones. And good ones are a great deal better than bad ones. In fact, the, you may have some bad ones. Drop them. And the way best to drop bad habits is by replacing them with a good one. But this was a habit. This is what he did. It was his custom. And so he went to synagogue on the Sabbath day. Indeed, Jesus didn't just do nine of the Ten Commandments. He did all of the commandments, including the fourth, which is keep the Sabbath day holy or special. Set apart, literally, is what the word holy means. And so, as we've already noticed, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ is to do as Jesus did. In fact, Jesus mentions this in another place. In fact, it was our, our reading here today from Matthew's Gospel. He said, a disciple is not above his teacher. And what would that mean? Well, that's, well, you know, if you're above the teacher, you don't have to do what he says. You know what? Make him do what you want. <laughs> Make him your valet. Make him your servant. Jesus says, that's not how it works. A disciple is not above his teacher. A servant is not above the master. It's enough. And it's all working right is what Jesus means. It's enough for the disciple to be like the teacher. In fact, if you're not like the teacher, if you're not striving for that, you aren't even a student. If you're not doing what he says and following, you're just an interested bystander at best. You know, going to a football game doesn't make you a football player. <laughs> you have to be out on the, on, the, on the green. You have to know the plays, and you're learning the plays, and you're, you're doing the plays. In fact, that's why Sunday morning is so important. We do not fool around on Sunday morning. We exposit the Word of God on Sunday morning. 
and we say, this is what God is calling us to do, and this is why this is so important. And that's why it's important for us to be here, to rehearse these things. Why? That we might become, at least know what it means to be more like Him. It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher and the servant like the master. And so, by way of illustration, should you wake up on a Sunday morning and you're tempted to stay in bed rather than go to church? And you're wondering, you know, W, what is it, WWJD? You know, you got that on your bracelet, WWJD. What would Jesus do? Well, you want to know what Jesus would do? He'd go to church. <laughs> and how do we know that he'd go to church? Because he did go to church. In fact, you can't possibly know what Jesus would do in your circumstance if you don't know what he did do. And knowing what he did do will help you answer that question all the time. Indeed, Jesus worshipped God regularly and habitually, as Luke says. Worship every Lord's Day, as we would call it, was his custom. We might describe Jesus as a, in our language, as a regular churchgoer. When you went to church, he was there. <laughs> and to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus is to do the same. And so that's the first thing. Jesus worshipped God regularly. Secondly, the scriptures say that God is with us in a special way when we worship him together regularly. Indeed, Jesus himself says that he is present with us in this special way. In fact, that's how the, I mentioned this to, the, to Victoria, who's worshiping or leading the, the worship team in, while Steve is out. Um, and uh, there weren't too very many of us here at the top of the hour. And I said, wherever two or three are gathered, <laughs> and we will worship him. Right. And that's what Jesus said. Indeed, in Matthew 18 and verse 20, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them, Jesus said, or with them, or in their midst. And those of us who have eyes to see or ears to hear know that's true. Indeed, the scriptures say that God inhabits the praises of his people. In Psalm 22, in verse 3, the psalmist says, Yet you, O Lord, are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Enthroned or, or seated, if you like. Or the word seated can be taken to mean to dwell or inhabit. And that's why in the old King James Version, the, the Psalm 22 and verse 3 is translated, The Lord inhabits the praises of his people. He's there, and that's what Jesus was saying. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name and for my purposes, I'm there in the midst of them. Now, of course, this doesn't mean that God isn't everywhere he is or that you can't worship God anywhere you can. And I do. I was just mentioning to the men yesterday morning, and talking about a particular prayer that I was having as I was driving over the bridge, making my way to the church. And I encouraged them. You know, listen. In fact, I said, and I have said in the past, you're always talking to yourself. So why not let somebody else in on it? 
(laughs) Add God to the conversation. I mean, it's kind of boring anyway, you talking to yourself. So why don't you just start talking to God? Well, I'll crash my car. You talk to yourself all the time and don't crash the car. I'll burn my hands on the stove. You're talking to yourself while you're cooking. You're saying this needs a little salt, and you manage to do so without burning your hands. Bring God into it. And what I was saying to the men the other day is, that, you know what? If you don't, well, I don't know what to say to God. Well, tell him you don't know what to say. <laughs> That's a conversation. In fact, uh, lots of times the only time we talk to God is when we're mad, and, we, and then we blame it on him. I mean, we don't, we don't praise him when things are going well. We just blame him when things go bad. How could you do this? And he says, how could you? I mean, <laughs> dumb, dumb, <laughs> Right? Let him in on the conversation. Talk to him about it. Talk to him about everything. In fact, if you read the Psalms, uh, lots of times the, the, the psalmist is struggling and re- we might say wrestling with God. You know how close you have to get to somebody to wrestle with them? You can't wrestle from afar. You have to get close. You have to touch. Wrestle with him. That's prayer. And so God is present in a special way when we gather together. Jesus said so. The psalmist said so. That's what David experienced. He said, when, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's what he was talking about. He was talking about the temple or the tabernacle as it was in his day. Where, there, where worship is taking place and he's not the only worshiper. He wants to worship in the house of the Lord with them. Because God's special presence is found there. And so that's the second thing. God is with us in a special way when we worship God regularly. Then thirdly, and and what about this? The challenge of worshiping God regularly. Indeed, for some self-described followers of Jesus Christ, worshiping God regularly seems a, a hard thing to do. Because worshiping God regularly is a commitment. Think of all the things you're committed to. Think of the conversations we have on Sunday mornings. Hi, Mom. In fact, that's an interesting thing. If your kids are asking you whether or not you're going to church on Sunday, you know what that means? It's not a commitment quite yet. Do you go to your kids and say, well, Johnny, it's, it's Monday. Would you like to go to school? Nah, you know, I'm so tired from this weekend and we had the big game. Okay, well, why don't you sleep in? We'll see how things are on Tuesday. Are there, is that the kind of conversation you have? No, because you're committed to that. And, and the kids don't say, uh, hey, Dad, or, are you going to work? Because you're committed to those things. And there's reasons why you're committed. So you might ask yourself, well, why am I not committed to what happens on Sunday morning? And what are the values that drive those? Maybe, maybe not. And so it's difficult because it's a commitment. And if we would make worshiping God regularly a habit and a custom, as it was for Jesus, then we have to decide to commit to it. We have to commit to it the way he was committed to it. There'll always be times, listen, you'll be out of town, you'll be sick, on and on, right? Indeed, seeing worship as... Only one of many things on a Sunday morning suggests that it's just not a commitment yet. 
Indeed, if you'd like to worship God regularly and make it a personal discipline, you'll have to decide to commit to it. And, by the way, to the spiritual benefits that you will gain by making that commitment. <laughs> and they say, well, you have to go to church. Listen, I didn't always have to. And before I had to, I was there. You know why? Because I wanted to be there. In fact, from my mid-teens, I was there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I was there because I wanted to be. And there was nobody telling me to go. And you can do the same. It all depends on what you want to do. And commit to what will bring you these wonderful spiritual developments, our, our benefits. In fact, uh, Richard Foster in his book, Celebrating Discipline, he wrote this, the purpose of the disciplines is spiritual growth. Now we're back to what is a disciple? A disciple is a, dis a disciplined one. A disciple is one who pursues certain disciplines. The purpose of the disciplines, and he wrote a book about all of them, fasting and scripture and worship and prayer and so on. The purpose of the disciplines is spiritual growth. Or someone else says written, regular worship, like all spiritual disciplines, is about the power of cumulative effect. That's an extraordinary principle. The, the power of cumulative effect, and you know this is true. The power of cumulative effect, that is, the more you do something, the more you gain from it. But that's, that's what committed people do. In fact, I just popped into my head, you know, the, years ago, it's been several years now, you know, that movie, uh, what is it, uh, A Million Dollar Baby? And the, the, uh, was it Hillary, Sw Hillary Swank? And she was the uh, boxer from, she's out in Los Angeles, but she was from Arkansas. Anyway, she happened into this uh, boxer, boxing gym that was being run by was Clint Eastwood. And, I, I and I'd seen the film many times, and I, there was a deal where he was, she wanted him to teach her how to do the speed bag, and they were having this conversation. But I had never noticed that there was a, there was a poster on the wall behind them. And, the po and I clicked pause, and I read the poster. And the poster says, winners do what losers won't. Winners do what losers won't. You know what you call that? That's called commitment. <laughs> commitment. Even a simple one as the one we're talking about. The purpose of the spiritual disciplines is spiritual growth. Or someone else has said again, regular worship is about deliberately investing time in worship and then, as a result, accumulating the personal spiritual capital that is gained by it. <laughs> well, you get to the end of your life and say, well, hey, how, how's your portfolio? Well, not too good. Well, what was the plan to get there? Well, I'd put 10 cents in every week. Ten cents. Well, how much were you making a year? A hundred thousand. 
you might have wanted to invest a little more. In fact, that's not such a, that's not such a, a bad metaphor when Jesus says it, and it all comes to one thing. When you leave everything that you didn't bring into the world and that you can't take out, and you stand morally and spiritually naked before God, and he says, now let's just deal with you, who you are. <laughs> and then what does he say? Well, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Or does he say, you know, I don't know who you are. Well, what do you mean you don't know who I was? Lord, you know, when it was convenient, I... <laughs> and Jesus says, my kingdom's not populated by people who just serve because it's convenient. Many of these people gave their lives to be faithful to me. You know what? You wouldn't be comfortable with them. Depart from me, for I never knew you. Indeed, the scriptures say that God rewards and honors those who commit to worshiping him regularly. In fact, there's a hint of that in the passage that was read from Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, one of my favorite verses. Without faith, it is impossible to please God for, God, for if we come to God, we must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Don't ever feel sorry for people who are pursuing God like that because he rewards them. You might notice that, you know, they seem to be doing okay. <laughs> Walking with God is not some great burden. In fact, in our own prayer book, it says, the way of the cross is the way of life and peace. And those, who, and those who carry it know that when they're carrying it for the right reasons. Indeed, to commit yourself to worshiping God regularly is to honor God. And God's promise to those who honor him is that he will honor them. In fact, that's what the prophet Samuel said. Right? Right? Those who honor me, speaking on behalf of God, those who honor me, I will honor. Or Jesus put it this way, and I sort of touched on it in his famous kingdom parable, the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. And his master said to him, this faithful servant, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little thing. <laughs> That's a, you know what I'm going to do? What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to go to church on Sunday. Wow. Can you manage it? Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to commit to it. All right. One hour? One hour. Well, that's only, that's only one quarter of a football game. <laughs> you ever stay from the beginning to the end of a football game? Ever go to a concert and cry out for a, a sixth encore? <laughs> I went to a concert here the other day and I thought it was never going to end you can see I didn't I was taken along to this conference good night <laughs> but the people around me ah, they were having a blast this is like nobody said to them are you sure we should do this no man they loved it they loved it because what it was about was something that pleased them 
Jesus said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little thing. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And so perhaps you'd like to be more than just an interested bystander when it comes to faith and Jesus Christ, but you're not necessarily sure exactly where to begin. And if that describes you, I want to invite you to commit to step one. Commit yourself to worshiping God regularly. and Be faithful to God with this little thing and see what happens as a result. Indeed, it's not complicated. It's simple, as all the disciplines are. But in order for a spiritual discipline to work and to bear fruit in your life, you have to commit to it. And so that's the first step. Worship God regularly. But of course, as we said at the beginning, step one is just the beginning of a process that we're talking about that includes four steps. And so next week, we'll be talking about step two, grow together faithfully. And if you commit yourself to step one, I guess I'll see you next week. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the invitation. We should be flattered, I think. Indeed, if some dignitary, the president or some other, or the governor or whoever, sent us an invitation and say, I would like you to come into my presence. I would like you to be with me. I want to spend time with you. I think we would, for the most of us, I think, be flattered like, wow, you know. I didn't even know he knew me. And yet you know us, even as we read in the scriptures, you not only know us, we're more valuable than a hundred sparrows or, and all of the, the, the hairs of our head are numbered. As Brennan Manning said, uh, you love us so much you'd rather die than live without us. And yet sometimes it seems like just so hard. <laughs> to even do the first step. But if we commit to it, I suspect we'll do it more. So help us to commit to it and to all the steps as we go through them, that our lives might be changed and that we might become something new and different to you and even new and different to others, we pray, even something new and different to ourselves. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.